0: To a special edition of Samp and Chance. I'm your host, Bobby Sampson, and joined with me as always is the man with the master plan, Mr. Chance Michaels. And tonight, Chance, I gotta tell you, man, we are honored and privileged to have sitting with us here tonight, all the way from Ontario, former Canadian Super Bantamweight champion, former Commonwealth Bantamweight champion, NABA North American champion, IBF two-time two-time super bantamweight champion of the world mr steve the canadian kid molitor thank you very much steve for joining us how are you champ i am good thank you for the uh for the introduction Wow, well, <laughs> well you know what we, I, i've been i've been watching your your uh career i've been watching it since i was a kid to be honest um as a boxing fan i've always been a big fan of the canadian product um one of the things that we really want to do here, being Canadians ourselves on the other coast, that is, uh, we really want to bring light to what boxing, you know, means to Canada and the great talent that's kind of come out of the country. I mean, outside of Lennox Lewis, you know, I, I want everyone to know who the other champions are. And you know what, man, you you fit the billing. You're one of those guys straight up, bruv. And um, yeah, so that that's awesome. Um, tell us a little bit, man, what, what got you into the game? Um, I had an older brother, obviously, I'm sure you know about who had started like a
1: year and a half, two years prior to me. He won the Canadian title in that time. And I just basically just followed in his footsteps and found my way to the gym. We both played hockey growing up in Sarnia, but we we're a little small for hockey and we really excelled at boxing. So we both just stuck with it and fell in just love.
0: Kind of fell in love with it. Hey, eh? So I
1: understand you started
0: training at nine?
1: At nine years old. Yeah, in Sarnia, Ontario, under the uh, my coach was Silvio Fex. Who now lives in edmonton or calgary alberta He's a national <laughs> team coach level five coach. <laughs> national team. dedicated 10 years to me personally plus you know 30 years of his volunteer time every day very dedicated ran bingos for us to go to trips to get us that experience that we needed to go to detroit and go to all these places to get that experience so i mean i have uh, a lot of respect for what civil did for me in my career as well as a lot of the other people from sarnia the effort that he put in to, uh, to the athletes there.
0: Awesome, man. Um, so it was an easy decision to start boxing, just following in your brother's footsteps. Or was there anything that you particularly saw? Like for myself, uh, Marvin Hagler was what got me addicted to boxing. Uh, I'll never forget the baby blue shorts. And it was that, you know, we're all about the same age. So a lot of the fights at that time would be on ABC's wide world of sports. Um, you know, so it was like, Hagler for me was the guy. Was um, it- I never,
1: I never really loved boxing, but I was a big, massive, massive Wendell Clark fan. Um, nice. And I love the, I love the individual sports. I don't like. I wasn't really a team sport guy because then you have to rely on what another guy is doing, what he's training, how he's going to react. Where the I love the one-on-one competition because it all just relied on me.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome.
2: What was it about Wendell Clark that you loved? This is physicalness, his tough style of play?
1: Um, his leadership, his humbleness, his warrior mentality, everything about that guy was just amazing. Um, I just did a, a charity event with Doug Gilmer. He was also another guy that I admired the most when they played for the Least. So those two guys together, like I would watch their videos. There's a Wendell Clark video by Metallica that I used to watch before all my world title fights. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, just a yes. lot of heart in those two guys.
0: Did you ever get a chance to meet him?
1: Yeah, I met uh, Wendell a couple of times at the charity events for the Special Olympics back when I was champion. And I met Doug Gilmore, like I said, for the first time last week. But I've been to swimming events with a few, those guys a few times.
0: Yeah, and you looked dapper that night, bro. I got to say, you look good. You look <laughs> very you. good. Hey, uh, so one of the big things that I like to talk about, I, I think that what kind of separates us from all the other kind of shows that are out there, is I like to talk about psychology. Um, I think psychology is a huge part of the game about, you know, the science behind it. Does that psychology start at nine or does that, or do you even realize it at that time? Or is that something that like, when do you discover the psychology portion of it that you realize it's, it it plays a big role, you know, throwing a punch is one thing, but having that psychology piece is another.
1: Um, I think that was really built into me. Like when I started boxing, just the the discipline of, not having a normal life like the rest of the kids. I was, you know, running before school, then after school homework, then to the gym. And then, you know, you have to watch, I was dieting at like 10, 11 years old, sleeping in sauna suits, being you know, like just, my life was just boxing. Mm-hmm. So um, what did your parents
2: think about that when they knew you wanted to be a boxer and you're that gung ho at such a young age?
1: Um, They always supported me. My dad was very, um, he was very strict, like, we always had to have passing grades. We couldn't get in trouble with the law. Obviously, no drinking or drugs or anything like that. Like, He ran a very tight ship. And as long as we passed, we could do what we wanted. To. And, and that was it.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. Uh, so, so you turned pro December 18th. And I, I reached out to you yesterday to wish you a happy anniversary on that. Uh, did you know it was 20, 22 years at that point? Yeah? I had no idea. I
1: was just telling my girlfriend. I was like, that's crazy. But yeah. A long time ago, it was, um, like we discussed, it was an eight-round, my pro debut in Winnipeg, Manitoba, versus Julio Luna. Yeah. Was, uh, a long time ago.
0: Yeah, I went back, and you, you, like you said, you did dominate that whole fight. You did take all eight rounds. Uh, but you did mention something to me, that uh, after that fight, I believe you got uh, a fine and, and maybe a suspension as well?
1: Yeah, the commissioner, Ken, I ask you, my, ma- my manager and trainer at the time, the late Adrian to the rescue um, on two and a half weeks notice. It was supposed to be Scotty Olsen, the main event, but he um, he got injured or something like that. So they called me and it's for eight rounds, which is a lot for your pro debut. So Ken is like, listen, Adrian and Stevie, you uh, you got a 30 day suspension where you can't go to the gym. And he gave me a hundred dollar fine. I only made 2000 for the fight. Wow.
0: That's <laughs> insane, man. That's insane.
1: Yeah.
0: How many amateur
1: fights
2: did you have before you before you turned pro?
1: 121,
0: 121. Yeah, wow. I believe you went 93 and 11, right?
1: Something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what's the what's the difference between amateur fights and and turning pro? Like, uh, how much of a difference is it if there's any difference? Except maybe the headgear, or does that come off after a certain point?
1: Ah, uh, the headgear, the smaller gloves. Um, it's obviously now. I think amateurs a lot a lot better. Obviously, like the way the scoring system is now, but back in my days when I was at the Pan American Games and the Olympics around that time, um, the scoring system was like that tight defense, like he's got to sneak in a shot like a thread through a needle, and I didn't really like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I didn't like that style of fighting. I wasn't good at it. Um Yeah, I was the best in Canada, but internationally you know, I never brought home any gold medals, but I had some good fights with some Cubans and stuff like that at the Pan American Games, but I like yeah. the a lot better.
0: Yeah. The Cubans are crazy, though,
1: eh? Yeah, they're insane. And now that they can go pro, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of uh, Cuban world champions in the very near future.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's a breeding ground for boxing out there. And unfortunately, I don't think a lot of them have gotten out, you know, to really shine. Uh, yeah. God knows how much we've missed Yeah. in terms of some of these great fighters that are out there right now. Uh, yeah. One that comes to mind is the heavyweight Frank Sanchez. I mean, I think he's still got a ways to go, but that kid looks solid.
1: Um, I'm back in the old days, guys with Gamboa, but especially, uh, Rego Rigando. he was one of my favorites. Um, that guy was unbelievably technically just a machine. Yeah. You fought
0: Gamboa as well, correct?
1: <laughs> I didn't fight Gamboa or Regondo, thank God. <laughs> uh, no, Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, here, here's an interesting question. I don't know if you've ever been asked this before, champ or not, but what did it feel like the first time he got popped? Um, the first time you took a real punch, like I don't not talking about sparring or not like that. That first time that you were in the ring, or I guess against Julio Luna, when you took that first professional punch, what what was that like? Um,
1: Where it's an per- adrenaline. It was like a lot of adrenaline, a lot of emotion. Yeah, but at that time, when I fought Julio Luna, I had 121 amateur fights under my belt. I didn't. I mean, I was in a different place mentally by then. But okay. My first amateur fight, I remember I was just so excited. I swung out there and was swinging like an animal.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm always curious to know, like, you know, what, what what the mindset is at that point because you go in with a very confident mindset. You know what your outline is and you know what you want to accomplish. But then you get that first punch. Does that change the game plan? Does it change the way you think about the fight or is it just a punch?
1: Um, by the time I fought Hulu Loon in my pro debut, there was. I was just already in a zone where I knew what I wanted. I knew what was going to happen. And if somebody landed this or landed that, I still knew I was going to stick to my game plan and win always.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. What, what would you what say are some of the injuries
2: you sustained over your career, Steve? Pardon me? What are some of the injuries that you sustained over your career when you were boxing?
1: Um, I've had a lot of cuts over my eyes and stuff I like got A couple of cuts on my head, um, several broken hands. My left hand broke so many times it's, I don't even know the amount the number. <clears throat> how many concussions uh, have you had? Is there even a number? I have, I have some thumb damage too. Wow. Wow. Uh, <laughs> what do you say about concussions? You know how many you've had over your career? Um, no, and that's just, that's this the scary part about back in those days, like concussions weren't really a thing. You know what that's I mean? True. Like, yeah, we, we had to get to get one CT scan a year to get your license to be a, a pro in Ontario, but like they weren't really mandatory, worrying, you, you know what I mean?
0: Now most yeah. of your career you you I, I think you fought most of your career in Canada, which is kind of cool. I, I guess in a sense, like a lot of guys don't get to fight at home as much as they would like to. Um, do you think that benefited you a lot? Do you wish that you were able to kind of travel more and fight abroad more or fight more in the states?
1: Um, I wish I would have been able to fight in the States more, but I did get to fight in England five times and in- their crowds are really amazing when it comes to boxing. Um, it's a different attitude over there, especially my fight with Carl Frampton, even though I lost, even my fight with Michael Hunter. The crowd's just on such a different level than here in North America, even Canada. Um, I fought Sebastian Gauthier in Montreal on the road. Yeah. I fought Scotty Olsen on the road. So yeah. I did go to a lot of guys' backyards and have to be the underdog that way. But um, I love fighting in Canada.
0: Yeah, yeah obviously. Awesome. What was it like to fight Scotty Olsen? Obviously, he is, uh, you know, a legend, a Canadian legend. Um, were you still a world,
1: hey, yeah. He's a world legend, not a Canadian legend. He's a okay,
0: world awesome, man. Okay, corrected. it. Scotty Olsen, the world legend. How was that to get into the ring with him?
1: Um, it was a lot. Again, I was still young. I think I was 21 at the time. It was a big fight for me. I had only had nine pro fights. He was 34 and 3 at the time. He was a 10 and 0 fighting in Edmonton. It was his hometown. Um, it was nerve-wracking, but again, I had that mentality at that age, at 21, where I just knew that I had to win. I you know, I was going to win.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And what was it like after the fight? Did you guys were able to connect and talk? Or
1: Absolutely. We still talk on Facebook. Um, he's awesome. got to be one of the nicest, if not the nicest guys I've met in the sport of boxing. He's just such a nice, humble gentleman, like just a, a class act all the way.
0: That's awesome, man. That's really, really cool. Um, I guess straight up, ben, what do you think of the current state of, of boxing today? How do you feel? Is it progressing? Or do you think that there's things that we can make better overall? Or how do you see it from when you... I don't, were I don't really...
1: I can't... I don't really see too much what's going on at West, but I just know here in Ontario, there's a lot of good promoters, Three lines promotion, United promotion, Lead Backs to promotion. These guys yeah. are having fights in the regular... So, boxing is definitely alive and well here in Ontario. Obviously, Yvonne Michel, for generations, has been just killing it um, as a promoter up in Montreal. Mm-hmm. So, boxing is alive and well here. John Pascal still doing his thing. I mean, yeah. sniff the world title. David Lemieux this weekend. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Castillo <clears throat> Clayton, unfortunately, I mean, had a bad weekend last weekend. I think he got caught a little yeah. cold. Yeah. Um, but the better man won the fight in the night. No excuses to be made, but I mean, he's still – only the second round right
0: yeah well i mean i don't think we got to really truly see what what he could accomplish honestly he he got caught cold but then again boot sentence is that guy right now man i don't know what you could say about him i i think he's going to be the next big thing here man um looks good yeah he looked really good but uh cody crawley as well he, he was victorious a few weeks ago as well another canadian guy but based out of vegas um Cody, if you're calling, I keep texting you, bro. I'm waiting for you. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of abundance of talent that's out there. I actually caught uh, the one guy who stood out for me. I want to get on that eventually here with, with your zone time. Um, the 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 guy is Mo Zawadi. Yeah, that guy yeah. looked pretty solid, man. Uh, what's his feature like? Um, he's he's very
1: good. He's got a lot of power. He's got a lot of confidence. Um, I know he's training with Billy Martin now. His promoters Lee Baxter. So in that regard, he has everything where he wants to be. I think Lee and Billy are just trying to get him um, not more disciplined, but just Billy's way of of work ethic and to be disciplined in the gym and to stay focused and stay in the gym. Being a professional, like especially early in your career, if you're only having four and eight-round fights, you got to stay active and be in the gym constantly. He's got a lot of natural talent. He hits very hard, and he has a very bright future with the team behind him for sure.
0: That's awesome. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he kind of accomplished. I like to see more than a four-round fight next time, obviously. But um Well, he, he hit so hard, it might,
1: might not happen.
0: Well, if not, but I, you know, let's see, let's just build this guy up. I really like I liked him. I did. He really stood out of all the fights of that night. That was the one fight that really stood out in my mind. I'm like, okay, this guy, he's got potential. You know, I just want to see more. I want to see what else he can bring.
1: What about Brian Acosta?
0: Brian Acosta was sick too. Like I, you know, they he's were all very- sick.
1: He's very – that kid's uh, – I like him a lot. He reminds oh, okay. me a lot of myself.
0: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I'll go back yes. and take a peek at him some more. But like I said, for some reason – so why did he just kind of stood out of my mind? I don't know why. I just kind of saw him. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. This is kind he's of cool. very.
1: He's very natural and very smooth. He's got like – he's just so natural. He reminds me of like of a James Tony almost. He's just so natural and relaxed. He yeah. is impressive to watch. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No doubt.
2: So, well, Steve, how did your career change when you switched trainers from Chris Johnson to Steven Larouche?
1: Stephon Larouche. Um, yeah. Obviously, perfor- obviously, performance-wise, it didn't really favor me as I as I got crushed by Caballero on the fourth round. Um, but I do not blame that on Stephon Larouche. Stephon Larouche is one of the greatest trainers, not only in this country but in this world. I just don't think that me and him had enough time. We had one fight where I knocked out in the tenth round, which I was only at camp in Montreal for two months, and then for the Caballero fight, I was there for maybe three months, um, five months in total. Was really not enough time to mesh with the coach and to to really grasp what he's trying to, to bring to the table. Um, so I don't put that on Stefan; I put that on myself for kind of rushing everything to make it happen.
2: If you don't mind me asking, what led to you and uh,
1: Johnson parting ways? Um, at the time I wasn't under contract with Alan Tromblay and Orion sports. <clears throat> it was just like on a fight to fight basis. They, um, you know, I thought they paid me. And there were some people with, whisp- you know, whispering in Chris's ears, like, you know, Stevie could be getting more money. Stevie could be getting this and that. But, um, Don King called my phone. I talked to Bob Arum and they both said like, you're making a lot of money. Oscar Lyros was fighting, um, uh, Who is he fighting for the third time? Anyways, there's a, a trilogy fight, and Bob Arum said his guys want to get $100,000 and 80000 U.S. I was getting 100000 for fighting a top 15 guy U.S. dollars at Casino Ram in my hometown. So I was like, yeah, I'm staying with Alan. I signed a contract with Alan, but they said, listen, because Chris was trying to, go, trying to negotiate this and make this happen, he's got to go. Um,
0: okay. Okay. But, or, but- yeah. But then you guys reconnect.
1: We did reconnect. After the loss and the results that, that happened, I just went to him. I said, listen, like, with no disrespect to any of the trainers I had, me and Chris has had that connection, that chemistry, without even speaking to each other, we knew.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and, so yes. Yes, yeah, so so, so one of those unbreakable bonds sort of a deal, man. You you connect with yeah. someone you just already know without speaking. I get it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um what are you up to these days now? I know that you're doing commentating, color commentating, color analyzing. Uh congratulations on your uh, DAZN, uh debut a couple weeks ago. How doing was a good that? Job. Yeah. You're doing great. I love it. Um color. it was
1: it was crazy good, awesome. Um Corey Urban's very, very good at what he does. He's um He's so professional. He knows everything. He makes it easy for me. I mean, he tees it up, and I just get to hit it out of the park for free. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I love it. I mean, I love boxing. I love to watch boxing. I'm always watching boxing. It's what I know, it's what I've done my whole life. So I really enjoy it. Are you, you still training? I've seen you in the gym hitting the pad. You look pretty good still. You getting that itch again? No, I would never fight again. But yeah, I'm always in the gym. It's just natural for me. It makes me feel good, look good. <laughs>
0: But we're in the we're in the world of exhibitions, brother man. I mean, I mean, if if Floyd and all those guys are doing what they're doing, I'm sure you can get something going here, a little fun. Yeah, you never know. You never <laughs> know. All right, man. That we never know. We never know. Um, who do you like these days? Who 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 are you watching and following? Um,
1: who do I like and follow? Jeez, I watched the Charlos on the weekend. Who do I like? Um. I like Lomachenko. Even though he's lost, I always, I love Lomachenko. I think he's so good technically um, and what he's done as so early in his professional career. I just think he's such a such a talented fighter. It's like people don't really have an idea or can't really grasp how good he really is.
0: No, I think he's amazing. Uh, we actually got to meet Tia Fimo in Vegas uh, a few weeks ago. We were down for the Shakir Stevenson fight down there. And, okay. um, you know, contrary to the way that guy comes off he was so nice very friendly yeah so friendly so yeah he was like he remembered our names and he he was just like wow hey
1: ask yourself this so maybe he's been humbled a little bit as of late maybe that's a good point
0: no we we talked about that his dad wasn't with him so i mean i think that was (laughs) the other thing um we're chance and i both kind of agree that for him to become successful he kind of needs to you know not have his dad in his corner anymore.
1: Yeah, you and, yeah and you're right. Um, Teal's not that bad, but his old man gets behind him and starts barking and then kind of yeah. Teal has to back up that play.
0: And it's not a good look for him. No. Yeah. And I, I personally think also, like, you know, back onto Lomo, did, did Teo Fimo beat him or did just Lomo have a bad night? Considering the way he lost to combos after?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's a little bit of both. But well, again, um, he's just so. People just don't have any idea how good he is. The things he does in the ring, like this, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how do you see the Haney Kombosos uh, fight playing out here in June?
1: Um, I think Devin Haney is going to have a, a real rude awakening when he hears the crowd in Australia. You think so? I think that he's never, he's never going to, he's never felt that sort of pressure, that sort of environment, and that's going to be the. T- um, a big factor in how that fight plays out and how he handles that
0: mm-hmm. well he's down there now so he's he's in australia there you know he's training and yeah, ready
1: listen. i don't give a shit if he's down there i'm talking about when that crowd's going ballistic yeah That first bell rings he's not gonna it's different
0: yeah 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 so, so you, you need to stop that when you're in england
1: several a few times
0: yeah, yeah. um yeah. Carl Frampton, I kind of chuckled when uh, Big John was gonna, having a go at him there. I thought of you. I'm thinking, okay, you know, this is for Steve, man. Um, <laughs> what was it like fighting Carl Frampton?
1: Um, tough, obviously. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, 100%, 100%. But do you think the if it was more of a neutral ground, it would have been a different fight, or does that whole crowd thing come into play that you were talking about earlier?
1: I had nothing to do with the crowd. Yeah. Um, Had something to do with the age and the point of my career that I was at. Um, I was at the tail end of my career. No, no discredit to Carl Frampton. He beat me fair and square. And he's a great, he's a great fighter. He proved it by becoming a two-way world champion. Like the guy's a a superstar, a hall of famer. Um, He beat me fair and square. Um, So yeah, my hat's off to Carl, obviously. How old were you for that fight? 32? 31 or 32, I forget. Yeah, in that age.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, so when did you, you know, unfortunately, when did you decide that it was time to hang it up? Like at, at what point? Um, well, on the plane ride
1: home, I knew I was like, listen, that's it for me. <clears throat> um, and then I think like three or four months later, we had a Alan
0: set up something. Like we had an announcement for it. Okay. So you had some time to think about it and everything like that. Was there any point that you thought maybe no, maybe there's a little bit more, or you pretty much made your mind up on the plane?
1: Yeah, I was tired.
0: You were I was tired. Done. Right? Yeah. So at bantam weight, what, what's what's your walking weight? Well, super bantamweight weight, 122. 122. I, bro. Right, I used right, to walk
1: around around one 140, 145. Easily. Okay, what's,
0: and the weight cuts, how's that? Like is, is that more taxing than training, or or do you become used to it?
1: Um, because I, I started so young to, to die in the train to make weight. I, I became pretty good at it and I never lost a lot of weight at the end like all these guys do in the UFC and stuff like that but wearing sauna suits, I would burn fat through my training camp and just get lean and then maybe the last day I'd have to maybe lose five or six pounds of just water before
0: yeah. I weighed in. Okay. So um, 120... Take, take okay.
1: Discipline with your diet, your training, your exercise.
0: Right, right. <laughs> Uh, So 122, so what did you fight at then? Like, what did you come back up to for for the fights usually, roughly? Um,
1: Because in Ontario, as you know, the weigh-ins are the same day. I didn't go too, too crazy and go crazy with the food because I had to fight in like 12 hours, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How how does that work? I hope they change that rule. I don't think that's kind of cool. I think you need at least a day.
1: I've heard a lot of good, from a lot of good, um, reliable sources in Ontario that that rule is going to change before the end of this year, that rule is going to change and oh, still in
0: Oh, it's still in existence that way, eh?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Crazy, That's tough, right? man.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. Like, I mean, we're in this world of cutting weight, and it's so prominent, it's almost a bigger story than the fight in a lot of cases. I mean, Charles Oliveira 0.5 of a pound, and he's stripped of his title. That's insane, man. Like, no. what what it's can deep. they do? They're like, you know, weight weight cutting is just such a horrible part of the process i feel
1: well that has nothing to do really with the with the promotion or the, the commission that's a fighter if a, if a fighter signs a contract to say hey i'm gonna make 155 that's on him not the, the promotion i mean that's yeah. on him that he decided to make that weight? it's not the promotion's fault it's his fault right. um, and if a guy decides that hey i'm gonna be a fighter 155 then you know make sure you're able to make that weight and make it healthy that's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but everyone sure. always wants to have. The best advantage they can to win that's just human nature right to be the best
0: yeah yeah well the one thing i always kind of think about is okay for example you said to me you walk around at 144 or something like that right yeah. and why not fight at 135 or or something like that like not not you per se but just generally like what's the logic behind of someone going down so far if they're already walking here and they maybe only need to lose five or ten pounds
1: from just my experience in your even, experience yeah
0: even even in
1: wrestling in high school in boxing, from a young age, that you know, meaning is, you get your body down to the smallest where you, mean you can be your best and strongest in the fight. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, as an amateur, I was 106 pounds. I didn't have to really lose any weight. Then I went up to 112, and then I, when I was like around 21, 22, I, uh, I, had to start losing weight. I got up to like 140. I thought like my man strength and stuff like that. Uh, it became a lot tougher for me to make weight.
0: Awesome, man.
2: Steve, take us through the training camp when you're getting ready for a fight. How many hours a day were you in the gym and how often are you sparring? Give our listeners a little bit of a sneak peek and how that works.
1: Every camp, I always sparred three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, in the morning, 7 at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., I do my 10K run, my weights, my strength and conditioning, swimming, whatever it may be. Um, and then at boxing would be either pads on Tuesday, Thursday with Chris. And then Monday, Wednesday, Friday was sparring. And then Saturday we'd do some sort of activity. And then Sunday was an off day, but I'd still go for a nice light run.
0: Also, and how did you prepare mentally? Like, what was the mental preparation like? And was that throughout the whole camp? Or this, is that just a lifestyle? Life. Um, life, eh?
1: And it's life. Just always watching boxing, um, watching the 24-7s, watching how, you know, Mayweather, how him and his team do it, watch how these guys do it. Um, Just taking notes um, and just being just fully submerged in boxing. Mm
0: -hmm. And does that carry on today?
1: Not fully submerged, no, but
0: a lot. But like I said, I was listening to another interview that you were doing and you were talking about, you know, this is about two or three years ago. You were doing this interview and uh, you talked about that alpha male, you know, like if you're at the grocery store. Yeah. And there's a guy in line beside you. You want to be the guy who goes first. Does that still happen? Is that still happening? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome, man. So you're getting your shit out first. That's the way. Like,
1: listen to me. I'm not a dicker or confrontational, like at all in any means. But yeah, this, yeah. I think a lot of guys, I think a lot of guys have the same mentality to be honest.
0: Oh, dude, I'm the same way. If I'm at, you know, it's a red light, there's a guy beside me. I'm not going to look at the guy. But my pure intention is to fucking cross the line before that guy does. I don't know why. I've always been that way. Like, I'm a huge F1 guy as well. So maybe yeah. that's just the rest, the uh, racing side of me. Like, okay, fuck it. I'm in my Elantra. I want to fuck this guy. Hey. Right? Like, like, but that's about it. I'm not the only one. Uh, there you go. No, he's not the only one. We're all the same. So, Okay. <laughs> it doesn't change it doesn't change but you and i we, we have one thing in common we're both theories our birthdays are a day apart so that's awesome are you the um, third or the fifth i'm the fifth man nice 0405 love that 404 80 it's easy there you go there you go there you go um what's the future hold are you going to continue with the uh of analyst um promoting
1: um as long as these guys want me like i love it for me i get to to sit ringside, which I just love boxing, so to sit ringside is just a treat for me. To sit there and call the fights and give my, my thought or my angle on, like, I just, I love
0: that sort of thing. Awesome. Now, I know that you've traveled a lot, you know, Winnipeg. But have you ever been to Vancouver?
1: Um, I did. I fought at the 2000 Canadian Championships. Oh, where the fuck were they? They're in BC somewhere. I think on the island, maybe. Victoria, probably. No, I don't know. Something for me. I don't know. I'm sorry. No but no, no a long man. time ago.
0: No worries. Yeah, you got to come out here, man. This is probably, I mean, with all due respect, I am an Ontario-born guy, but I got to say Vancouver is probably the prettiest city in this country. And
1: I'd love to make it out there one day, and if I do, I'll definitely catch up with you guys. Oh, definitely. We love
0: to show you around, yeah. take you out, and round it Very about cool. and uh whatnot. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think our fight scene is as strong as it is back east, obviously. So we do rely a lot more on, you know, the Seattle, like Seattle is only an hour and a half away from us uh, by car. So, you know, and Vegas is, you know, what, a two hour flight. So um, we, we, we have those options, but I would love to see a lot more in, in Vancouver. Um, how, how do we grow the sport, in your opinion? What can we do to grow the sport here?
1: Um, just, just keep promoting it and just hope that somebody um, has a belief, like these guys, these Lee Baxter, these Jim Gentles, um, all these guys, Dan Otter, all these promoters, I mean, they they put their money where their mouth is. They set up these events, and boxing's growing here in Ontario. You go to these shows, they're sold out. They're fly, flashy events. Um, like These guys are doing well, and then they're continuing to have shows consistently, especially now that COVID's basically over. Um, they're doing really well, so boxing's alive and well, and just somebody's got to just come along in BC and do that. And you also have to have a product to sell yeah. mm-hmm. homegrown mm-hmm. products can make it a lot easier to sell i personally myself don't know of anyone that could headline a show with no disrespect I just is don't no know no I, I, there I, is I, no
0: disrespect there i mean i've been to one show here myself it was at the uh, commodore chance uh they put the ring up on the stage uh so it's kind of an elevated stage and you had the ring up there but most of the talent i came up with was all from mexico so we're, we're getting, we get a lot of the Mexican fighters that come up here. Um, a lot of them are also doing their MMA out here as well now. So you got a few guys and girls from Mexico that are kind of making their mark more so on the MMA side of it. Uh, your thoughts on MMA. How do you feel? Do you think it's made boxing better or do you think it's hurt it? Um, I think it's it-
1: made it better. I think it's made it better. Like it's um, made fighting more acceptable i think with the, with a common household person like you know what i mean
0: but do you think it's force boxing's hand because i mean dana white and you know not just the ufc but all of them are putting on the fights that everybody wants to see and that's the one big one big one of the big issues with boxing is we don't get those fights in a timely fashion like i was telling chance pacquiao mayweather should have happened maybe seven years before it actually did
1: yeah, and I don't think it. I don't think it forced the hand of boxing at all. Because if you look at the end of the day,
0: yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, it's um, all about.
1: So no one's forcing boxing's hand at all, and there is still big delays and big fights. Like who didn't want to see AJ and Fury? There's a lot of big fights that still aren't happening. I don't think the UFC forces boxing hand in any way, shape, or
0: form. Fury retired, or is he just talking shit. Um, who knows?
1: But I'd love to see him fight again.
0: Me I mean, I think I think we get the Usyk fight here in J- uh, July. Uh, yeah. So if that happens, I mean, if everything's right, he should technically. I mean, that's the one thing he hasn't done. I mean, he was rattling off his accolades. I've won this. I've done this. I've done everything. everything he's done everything except one thing. Be unified. And I think, personally, I think he can kick the shit out of both of them. Yeah, me too. I think Joshua's done. I think Andrew Ru- Ruiz... Just
1: broke him physically and mentally when they fought first. He hasn't been the same since, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to lose to Usyk again. Okay, and I think Tyson Fury's size—he's just such a big, agile, athletic man. Usyk is great, as is Lomachenko They come from the same camp, but size makes a difference.
0: Well, we saw that against uh, Kalinov and Bibble there, man.
1: Exactly. That's why I told everyone: size makes a difference. Eventually, like we can only go up so much.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Canelo was eating enchiladas just to make weight on the yeah. scale. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think, well, Bivel came in over 200 pounds for that fight as well. I mean, you know what? No disrespect to Canelo. The guy was chasing greatness, and I respect that 100%, but dude, know your lane. You, there's no, like, 100 times out of 100, I think Bivel beats him every time. 100%. Right? Like, you look at his face. And his arm was fucked up, but his face was okay. He picked on a mark on his face. And, and to be honest... I don't think it'd be much different at 168.
1: Bevo has that strong European, like just Russian, those overhand shots like Lomachenko and those guys throw in triple G. He's just a very disciplined straight down the middle. Like I think he beats Canelo 10 of 10 times as well. So
0: Eddie Hurst came saying
2: that next week Canelo's going to announce, announce if he's going to rematch Bivol or fight
1: triple G in September 17th. So we'll find out. Um. Because he's already he's already piped up, I believe, saying he wants to activate the rematch clause immediately. I think that he has to, <laughs> to fight Bevel. Now he's gonna look like a, like a scaredy cat almost. Yeah, does. I completely Eddie, agree.
0: I totally accolade. agree. I, Eddie, I know uh, Eddie was talking yesterday, and he's saying that they really think he should fight Triple G. Like even Eddie Hearns and Eddie Reynoso are both probably you know tongue in cheek, but they're saying don't do this. So go go fight Triple G.
1: Fight Triple G, and then. Fight somebody else or whoever, and then fight home Bivol again because Bivol is going to be around for a long time, and well, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I was saying.
0: That's what I was saying. I think he needs to fight uh Jamal because Jamal said he's going up to uh, 168, and I well. think
1: that, that's a fight that Canelo wins,
0: right? So it, he can win them all, absolutely. But I think he needs to fight Jamal. I do think he needs to fight Benavides at one point as well,
1: and, and fighting Bivol right away. Is this going to break him down and just take years off his career because that uh, b-ball is big and if he ever got hit or hurt or clipped or wobbled or knocked out, that can um, really turn your career upside down.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 64 fights already though, man. I mean, it's insane to think the guy's going he's 32, 32 years old and he's already got 64 15 fights.
1: Years old, 15 years old, as pro debut 14 or 15, like that's insanity.
0: I was like, looking deeper into him and I realized he had his first kid at 15 too. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Uh, crazy. Right, well, it's Mexican style, right? I mean, they're crazy down there. Um, so how much truth is in the fact that he ate a tainted hamburger, which caused him to test positive for PEDs? Yeah, I
1: wasn't there, so I can't say. If you're asking me personally, I just think that's obviously a fucking a, 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 a lie. No, yeah. I
0: no, no, hundred percent. I'm just, I'm just curious. I mean, because. He got off pretty light. Granted, they said he cooperated with the commission, but that's an automatic one-year. He only got to six months. And his excuse was, bullshit, like I ate a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day,
1: you know how the commission gets paid, right?
0: Yeah, know, I get it. Well, I think, what did he say? Like, we didn't pay the judges enough this night in, yeah. in terms of the Bivol fight. He said that.
1: <laughs> he didn't that was a meme. I don't think he
0: really said that. He was not "I know, to... I, I know, I know." But I mean, you never know. Like you said, right? Um, Steve, we're um, so happy that you could do this with us tonight. Man. Uh, what do you think of the fights tonight? How do you see Lemieux faring for this um, weekend?
1: I want, obviously, I want David Lemieux to win. He's Canadian. A yeah, yeah. For Canadian. Um, mm-hmm. I just feel that Lemieux. I wouldn't say he's on the on the way down because he's not. But um, I feel that Benavidez is just on a skyrocket kind of up where he's going to be hitting his peak and his see um, his moment of greatness is going to be coming anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I think this could be a breakthrough fight for him. But David Lemieux always has that puncher's chance and could turn yeah. his life at any given second. So I think when you're fighting a guy like David Lemieux. It's a 50-50, because mm-hmm. if he hits you, it's over. Mm-hmm.
2: He's a big underdog. According to Vegas, he's a 7-1 to one underdog. But who knows? Camboso has a 12-1 to one underdog, and look what he did. So you just don't know.
1: Yeah, Ben. but ben, ben, Benavidez, like, has those long, lanky arms. If he starts using his distance, it's going to cause a lot of problems for O'Neal. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Do you think he's overlooking him at all?
1: I think that at this stage, and, you know, being Mexican like Benavidez, you know what I mean? I don't think they do that. Mm. I don't do that. I don't think that they do either.
0: Yeah. Um. So Floyd fights this weekend on top of the Burj Khalifa. Um, I thought that
1: got canceled because the president died.
0: No, they rescheduled it for this weekend.
1: Oh, who is it? Is this kid a rapper?
0: No, it's a, a guy. Uh, what's his name? Dan... That's a stupid. former sparring
1: partner, was it? No,
0: he was a former boxer himself. He's undefeated. More, yeah,
2: more, something yeah more.
0: Dan Moore. Dan Moore yeah. or something. So yeah. the, he's never yeah. lost, but he's never fought anyone either, to be fair. I mean. Well, what's, what's his connection to get that sort of money in Dubai? Who the fuck
1: is this guy?
0: He's nobody, and it's just someone to make uh, Floyd look good. I'm thinking. I mean,
1: so, so F- Floyd orchestrated all this and got the money yeah. guys involved.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a Floyd. I style. It's, a, it's a money fight, right? I mean, it's Floyd. Isn't Anderson Silva on the undercard. I believe everything is still the same. Everything yeah. they just moved it up a week uh, to, comm- to to honor the president of Saudi Arabia dying. Uh, Muslim tradition says it's three days of mourning, so everything shuts down. They do nothing. Okay. It's a ghost town for three days until they have the service or want, so, but that's going to go down this weekend now, finally. So I guess that's about what you're 10, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning here on the West coast.
1: Well, I don't know who this guy is, but I'll tell you this, both of you, um, you know, Floyd's not going to orchestrate something where he's going to a, even come close to losing or B yeah. a night, or look bad.
0: <laughs> no,
2: hundred percent. to be a quick night at the office.
0: I think he's going to try to do something here because I think a lot. he took a lot of flag for that Logan Paul fight. Like, I mean, he kind of toyed. He played with his food. Like, he really... Logan's a lot bigger than Floyd, though. No, no, no. I understand that. But what I'm saying is he could, you know, it, it didn't have to be as long as it did. I don't think
1: if he really wanted to at that point of Floyd, where Floyd's at now... I don't think if he tried to get not like size matters and Logan Paul is a big, tough, strong white boy from the States. I mean, that matters. And no matter how good Floyd is, size matters. And I don't think he could knock out that kid if he really wanted to. No, right. Logan's too big. Yeah.
2: Steve, it's do big. you still train fighters? Do you do you work with the young fighters coming up or
1: anything like that? Um, I do do some work here and there with um, some local guys in um, Hamlet and the Wilcox boys Evan Gillard, whoever I can, whoever wants to do some work with me, but nothing really full time. No. Cool.
0: Okay. Awesome, man. And so you, you're basically got so many things on the go now as well. What, what's coming up? Like, are you just going to stick with the analyst, uh, Analyst role or do you, do you foresee yourself kind of breaking off into kind of, you know, maybe getting on with the TSN or, or, or Sportsnet or something like that or fight network to get more work that way?
1: No, I, I like what I'm doing now. Like, I just like going to the shows, sitting close, enjoying enjoying the night of the fights, being front row. I just like doing that for now. Like Nothing that I take too seriously. Like, well, I do take it seriously when I do it. Like, Don't get me wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going like to try to um, give up my job at Triple F Metal to uh, become a uh, commentator.
0: Now how's that? How was that transition from, from fight career to 95?
1: Um, it was a little different at first, but Naturally, growing up, my father always made sure I was—I you know mean, cutting the grass, shoveling the snow, doing this, doing that, making sure I was working. So it was natural for me to mean you know, want to work and do something.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. That's awesome. And, and I, like you said, I've heard you started from the ground up. And how's that going now? Like, where were you at with the company? How um,
1: now? I'm the operations manager, so I run my own yard in Kitchener here in Kitchener. Um, okay. Yeah, I started right at the bottom. They gave me an opportunity and I, and I worked my web through hard work and dedication. I've been there for 10 years now. Um, I love my job. though.
0: That's awesome, cool. man. Steve, I want to, uh, you know, thank you so much, man, for, for taking the time out to join us tonight. Um, I hope we can do this again. Um, I would love to talk to you after some of the big fights that go down to kind of get your opinion if you're down for that ever. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, brother, man. It's, uh, this is truly like my victory here tonight man i have to yeah, say thank you so, so much listeners, much so just so the listeners know we reached out to you in february and uh we've been grinding man i've been working and tolling and you know i've been putting in the miles here so i am so honored and privileged that you finally <laughs> said yes thank you so much hey, man. go I'm, ahead.
1: i'm sorry i made you guys wait that long it's an honor to be on the show you guys have my number I'll definitely do the show whenever you guys want. After any big fight, you guys hit me up and we can get it done. If awesome. you want to hear the story? I story,
2: I was watching your fight against Frampton on YouTube. And then if you watch YouTube, it says recommended, recommended. And I seen you doing interviews with, you know, podcasts with other people. So I'm like, hey, we should message Steve. Maybe he'll come on. And that's kind of what got got right. me going, is watching your fight. And it kind of, yeah, we messaged you. And thank you so much. It's much appreciated. Yeah, yeah.
0: Chad's planted the seed, but I watered it yeah <laughs> team effort team effort man uh thank you uh, chap thank you so much for this opportunity we're really blessed and privileged to have this this is going to be great for our show as well and uh you know we, we just like i said we want to get the word out there of, of all the great canadian talent that we have in our country there's so much focus on england and the u.s and you know we're right there we're we're we're, we're, we're so close to everyone so you know it's it's important for me and for chance to let our listeners know and let the listeners know that, hey, some great shits coming out of our country as well. We're not just hello and thank you. We can <laughs> kick your fucking ass too. That's right. Yes, right. Awesome, brother. All right, man. Well, again, thank you. And you know what? Thank you for all you've contributed to the to the boxing world and you continue to do. Um, Yeah, man. It's, it's been a slice.
2: Thank you for your time. Steve, I got one more question. Since you're a hockey fan, what's your prediction for the Stanley Cup here? What, do you, what two teams you got going at it?
1: Um, after the Leafs loss, I don't watch anymore.
2: Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Good answer.
0: Fair <laughs> enough, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I stopped watching in, I think, November after the Habs really showed what I to expect this year. So, uh, <laughs> but we got first Why round. We got the first gone, pick. So. No, we got the first pick, though. Hey, yeah. you
1: shouldn't count that as
0: a victory or a blessing because you
1: guys got so far behind to get first pick.
0: <laughs> well, hey, man, I mean, you're talking to another fan up here. So, I mean, you want to talk about first picks. How many yeah, we got a in? lot of them. <laughs> what did you guys seen, lead in man. last night? Ten goals, nine goals? Uh, yeah, it was brutal,
1: dude. <laughs> brutal.
0: Wow. Awesome. All right, Steve, we don't want to keep you away from your family. And, uh, you know, thank you again. And, uh, you know, have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you soon, man.
1: Thank you. Have a good night, fellas. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So that just happened, Chance. We got to sit down with the two-time world champion himself. Uh, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was a great conversation. What was your take on it?
2: I thought it was really good. He's a super cool guy. Answered all of our questions. He actually seemed like he enjoyed being on. Sometimes you watch people's podcasts. They don't really enjoy being on certain guests, but he enjoyed it and I enjoyed it. And I thank him for doing it. Big honor. Yeah,
0: you no, know, 100%. Uh, I really like the fact that we have a different take on it. I think he, I'm hoping he appreciated that and kind of saw that himself that, uh, you know, our, our takes and, and our approach to it all was very different. It wasn't very, you um, based on anything negative or 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 anything dark like that we just kind of focused on what was happening and what's going to happen and you know just the good stuff man and and that that's what we are here at sapatest we just want to bring the good stuff out and uh you know Mm -hmm. when when we have to talk about the dark we will talk about the dark but for the most part we want to focus on all the positive vibes that you know everyone has and and all the good things that they've done
2: and for and i think we asked him some questions that he hasn't been asked before i've listened to a few of his past podcast we had a few questions that has, hasn't been asked something fresh something different so I liked it
0: yeah so you know what again a big shout out to Steve Molitor for for coming on and joining us and uh you know we we hope to have him back on in the future to hopefully talk about other fights that are coming up I love his insight I love his opinions and uh remember fans Scotty Olsen is a boxing legend. I was corrected. Not a creating legend, legend. legend, a boxing legend. And Neil White, he is right in every sense of the world. So Scotty Olson, I apologize. And the Bulldog
2: uh, Scotty Olsen, only five foot, but man and he five feet, but he packs a punch.
0: Oh, uh, he was solid, man. I would love to yeah. talk to him sometime. Hopefully we can uh get him on the show with us yeah, as well. Yeah, but agree. yeah, so that's it. Here we are. The long weekend is upon us. Um it's gonna be a beautiful, beautiful weekend, it looks like. Got plans?
2: Yeah. I'm watching my others and uh, hitting up All-Star and uh, Loft Country Wrestling with you. So wrestling all weekend.
0: There you go, man. A bit, uh, maybe a little bit of wrestling on the ice, too. Milan Lucic out there uh, destroying Connor. How do you feel about that? That what Cassian's
2: here, got to answer, man. Cassian's got to st- step up. I don't think Cassian's
0: days, tough enough to take on Lucic. I'll be honest.
2: Maybe not a fist fight, but he can bang with him a little bit. Lucic is tough, man. He's a good player. Tough boy.
0: I think he's the toughest guy in the NHL right now, in my opinion. He's one of them yeah like and then that was a super clean hit on mcdavid i'm i'm you know i'm glad he got up i really am i think if uh anything happened to him this series would probably be over
2: it would be my, mike smith's got to play better than that man letting in nine goals not acceptable they, they didn't goal. pull him <laughs> no we played the whole game he's playing oh tonight God. yeah so and,
0: then, and who's your backup
2: do you even know? yeah Miko. He's oh. okay. But if, I mean, Smith is letting a lot of soft. He does that again tonight, get him out.
0: I think they should have gotten him. I'm surprised they kept him in for that. That kind of reminds me of the LaWongo situation here in Vancouver, where they kept him in for nine goals or 10 yeah. goals or something. Remember?
2: Yeah, I remember that,
0: yeah. All right. Okay, well, here we are. Chance, I need you to get to your TV screen so you can watch your uh, beloved Oilers, and I wish you the best of luck tonight. Uh, it. Guys, we will connect with you guys really soon. David Benavides against David Lemieux this weekend as well. Uh Vegas isn't given Lemieux much of an opportunity. But you know what though? He's got power. And yeah. uh, if he can connect and if he can hit that right spot, anything can happen. But I'll I'll go on the limb here and say this is uh Benavides is to lose.
2: I totally I hate to say it, but yeah, you're right, man. I want the Canadian boy to win, but it's not looking good.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, best best luck to both guys fighting in tomorrow night. Uh, we also have a, um, a couple other cards that are happening. The Zones has a card out of uh, Europe this weekend as well. Uh, well. We'll touch base on that one as well. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll fill you guys in with all the details of all the happenings in the world here, uh, professional wrestling and boxing as we go along. So, again, thank you guys for tuning in and enjoying this. I hope, I hope you all enjoyed this interview, and I hope you uh, you guys like what we did but please you know comment in the comments below let us know what we can do better let us know how we can you know make things better and in the future uh another thing that might be interesting to do is we can announce what some of these interviews are going to be and uh, if you have questions or things that you want us to ask our guest you know this is the opportunity to do so so yeah. like i said as we're growing you know we're growing with you guys And uh, with that, I'd like to say thank you for all your time and energy that you've invested in us. And, um, yeah, I'm Bobby Sampson.
2: Chance Michaels. And for those who listen to this podcast, we salute you.
0: All right, guys, have a great night, and we will talk to you guys soon.